gentlemen, Dr. Ron here with a little Philly jazz for the opener. With an attitude of gratitude, I welcome you to this episode number 271. Thank you for listening. And as I say, with an attitude of gratitude, uh, because gratitude does make you happier in your lifestyle. It is associated with a longer life. And does it affect longevity? Well, it possibly does because the more gratitude one feels, the lower one's risk of a heart attack, the more grateful people feel, the better they tend to take care of themselves. Gratitude and positive emotions benefit physical health and stress management. So it's a life extender probably. So ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for listening. Uh, Let's get rid of the paperwork to start with. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. The information is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should never delay seeking medical advice, disregard medical advice, or discontinue medical treatment because of information heard on this program. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. So as I say, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. For the past two weeks, I've been traveling, and we'll get, get to that in a minute, but The first week, we had Dr. Russell Jaffe and his predictive biomarkers. And um, the test that you get at your your doctor's office, uh, they only reveal if uh, your tests are sicker than the population used to standardize the test. But these predictive biomarkers by Dr. Jaffe uh, provide information consistent with concepts of optimum or high-level health values championed by a lot of people, including the nutrient pioneer, Roger Williams. So as a summary, what are those eight predictive biomarkers? One is hemoglobin A1C, which measures blood sugar and your diabetic risk and your insulin resistance. A high sensitivity C-reactive protein, which measures repair and inflammation status. A homocysteine level, with which measures your methylation and how you detox. Oxidized LDL and HDL. That measures the oxidative stress and antioxidant status in cell membranes. 8-oxoguanine. That's an oxidative stress and antioxidant status measurement in the cell nucleus. And as we talk about all the time, a vitamin D measurement, which is important for cell communication status. And the first morning urine, pH, is it acidic or not? This assesses mineral need and cell acid alkaline balance. And last but not least, a uh, immune test called LRA. This is by Elisa, E-L-I-S-A. This is immune response and measures up to 491 items. 
So as I said, normal lab results merely report the usual or normal results or ranges that are useful for statistical, but generally not clinical purposes. But interpreting these results, these eight tests, in relation to the predictive goal values, according to Dr. Jaffe, is more effective forecaster of individual health risks or resilience. So the test, he says, the test values can indicate years or even decades of life either gained or at risk. And these tests, ladies and gentlemen, have been performed on large populations with sufficient follow-up that he has tremendous confidence in their predictive value. So that was Dr. Jaffe the first week. And the second week we had a person that has really uh, impressed me a lot. And uh, that is Dr. William Wong. Uh, He talked again about systemic enzymes in, in his inimitable way of just breaking down complicated issues and he talks about fighting the things most likely to kill us. Uh, so I did have a conversation with him, and uh, he will either be on the show or I will be broadcasting from his home in Texas in mid-September. So, ladies and gentlemen, please, uh, every day, uh, forgive yourself and love yourself. Very important for your life, and do not leave... Do not live your label. Uh, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the past couple of weeks, I've traveled in the, uh, both in Alaska and in the United States. And um, I saw some good things. I still saw children using cell phones. Oh, that reminds me of the cell phones. Ladies and gentlemen, just a, a brief mention because it's really important. Dr. Talmore. A, a frequent uh, guest on this program uh, passed last week. And uh, he really was an energetic person. And I don't know what is going to happen uh, with the Gainesville Holistic Center because he was the whole center. Uh, just a really intelligent person who was attuned to electrocurrents, electromagnetic fields, and doing things naturally. Uh, and he's going to, uh, his loss is going to be uh, really uh, missed, and his loss is going to be uh, just felt by a lot of people. I don't have words to expect uh, to express how I, we feel about him. Uh, really, uh, the world lost a, a real champion of uh, natural health. So that's what reminded me. I see so many kids with with uh, thin skulls having those cell phones up to their ears. I saw so much obesity in this trip. Uh, and we know uh, obesity is associated with lots of medical problems, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's disease, and dementia. Uh, I just saw people just living for to pop pills. Uh, where food should be your medicine, their medicine was their food. I saw a prescription being filled for 30 pills for $300, which is like 10 bucks a pill. Uh, so we, we do know the drug companies are not starving. They're doing quite well. Um, so we'll talk about these things because I just have a, I made a list as I was traveling and it's so long. Uh, that to today I'm going to limit myself to proton pump inhibitors 
talk a little bit about vitamin B12, melatonin, uh, class of drug, drugs that are used for ADHD, coffee, uh, Monsanto. And next week and the following week, we'll talk about statins because that is really critical. And if we have time, we'll talk about cosmetics and chemicals and the FDA and uh, maybe something something about poison-free food. And that reminds me of something else. Uh, it is making the papers now. In fact, I saw it on television while I was traveling about the blue light. Isn't that something? That finally, people are waking up. So you wouldn't go to the beach or to the pool, would you, uh, without, uh, or you wouldn't hit the links without wearing sunglasses. It's a fact, ladies and gentlemen, a fact of life on Earth that we all know. The sun's rays can damage your eyes. But what happens when you're indoors? You probably never think about protecting your eyes when you're not out in the sun. Well, I saw a study while I was away out of the University of Toledo that puts indoor dangers in a whole new light, so to speak. The researchers found that toxic blue light, we've talked about that, that's from the tablets and from your, our phones, that shines in your eyes when you use a computer, tablet, or phone can gradually steal your vision without you even realizing it. So luckily, however, there are a number of simple routines you can adopt to protect your eyes, and there's one habit in particular that you should dispense with immediately. And what is that? While we are exposed to blue light when it radiates from the sun, this error of spending hours gazing at high-tech gadgets is a whole new form of deadly eye damage, one that can kill cells in the retina that are vital to your vision. Now, researchers have found out exactly why exposure to these electronic marvels endanger your eyesight. They discovered that when blue light from digital devices, as well as the sun, strikes your eyes, it can cause retinal molecules, as the area of your eye that sees, that are vital for vision to start pumping out a toxic substance, one that can jumpstart what we hear more and more about every day is macular degeneration. In other words, blue light actually turns these beneficial molecules into weapons of mass destruction, into lethal weapons. And when the toxins it produces kills the essential photoreceptor cells in the retina, I'm sorry to tell you, they do not regenerate. And when they're dead, one of the researchers said they're dead for good. So in the United States... About 11 million people have some type of age-related macular degeneration, a number that is expected to double in the next few decades. And the addictive gadgets that everyone is glued to morning, noon, and night may be the reason for this astronomical rise. So considering the damage that blue light can cause and how most kids seem to spend their entire day staring at their phones, you might wonder why everyone has it, doesn't have this macular degeneration by now. Well, that's because our bodies use an antioxidant derived from vitamin E called alpha-tocopherol to keep those essential eye cells from dying off. Unfortunately, as we age, here and there's the problem, our alpha-tocopherol levels go in the tank. So it's no con coincidence that Age-related macular degeneration is the disease that strikes near 
those mostly over age 60, 60. Now, there are some steps you can take to lower your risk, given that we're unlikely to stop using these devices, along with protecting your eyes by wearing sunglasses that block 100% UVA and UVB lights when you go outside, you can, one, lower the blue light emitted by your PC or laptop. Okay? Some monitors have an eye saver switch. Uh, There's a program called Iris that you can use, and there's other ones. Uh, The latest Windows 10, I found out, uh, has a night light switch that you can activate. And there are also filters or screens and blue light blocking glasses like Dr. Mercola recommends. Most phones, I found out, have a blue light filter built right into it that you can activate. At first, the screen might seem dull, but once you get used to it, uh, they tell me that uh, it will appear to, to to regain its normal brightness. And then third but not lastly, load up on foods that are high in that eye-saving alpha-tocopherol, which is the best form of vitamin E. So you, if, you, if you don't want to take a supplement, well, wheat germ oil, almonds, hazelnuts, avocados, salmon, even mangoes are a good source of alpha-tocopherol. And if you are taking a supplement of vitamin E, uh, make sure that it's called D-alpha-tocopherol or mixed tocopherols. Since a form of vitamin E called D-L-alpha-tocopherol is a synthetic version that you really don't want to take. And lastly, but certainly not least, ladies and gentlemen, one, one of the worst habits possible when it comes to blasting your eyes with blue light from phones and tablets is to use them in the dark, such as checking your email or whatever after the lights go out when you're in bed. You know you know what? It's a good time to hit the sack, turn off your gadgets. So I think that's really important, this blue light phenomenon. We've talked about it, but now more and more studies are coming to light about uh, Uh, macular degeneration and once you get it uh, you have it for life all right ladies and gentlemen uh, this is dr ron unfiltered uncensored this is dr ron today by himself Uh, dr jerry is away on vacation dr dan uh is dealing with something uh with his wife and uh, and she everything is fine i I have to report and uh, she'll be home shortly but um Let's uh, let's go on to another subject, and um, excuse my rambling today because uh, I didn't know which which subjects I was going to pick about pick to, to talk to you about. But let, let me just talk to you about guilt because it's getting that time of year, I'm starting to see ads about uh, flu vaccines, and I just read an article in the American Academy of Family Practice where a young family practice practitioner uh, came up with a way to make people feel guilty about not getting their flu shot. And I did respond to that and asked them if she also told them that the flu vaccine contains glyphosate, aluminum, and so forth. And of course, there, of course, there were no answer. I asked her if she knew that the CDC is a private for-profit company. Of course, she did not know that or answer that. But at some point, very shortly, your doctor will give you the hard sell on some new treatment. And I I came up with this because I thought it would be a vaccine. 
which hardly any of them are thoroughly tested. But you know what? It could be a drug that has never been proven to save a single life, especially these new cholesterol drugs, like fourteen to $20,000 a year. Or maybe it's uh, something mainstream doctors have sworn for years will save your life, only to find out it doesn't. Well, here's some food for thought for you. Okay, before you roll up your sleeve or swallow that pill or let them plant a foreign object inside of you, your doctor is pushing, is not actually, is, it may not be the best treatment. Okay, because he's just been guilted into thinking that it is. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that your doctor has been hoodwinked to thinking that this was the best and safest treatment. And he's telling you about it, but it's not so. It's a guilt trip of a lifetime. The way it works is how I figure it out is like this. If it ain't published in a peer-reviewed medical journal, it's witchcraft, it's voodoo, it's snake oil. Uh, you get the idea? And that's what they'll tell you. Oh, it's not in a peer-reviewed journal, uh, so it's not true. Well, that might sound good. Uh, we all want real science. I, I would agree with that. But the science isn't actually real. First of all, the drug companies control the medical journals. And that's not some loony theory from out of the fringes. Fringes, media, all media is controlled by its advertisers. Just think of uh, when you watch a show on television, how many ads you see for pharmaceutical products. You know, a friend of mine would take a uh, journal of the American Medical Association, close his eyes, and pick out a page. And he would say, this, this page I'm picking out was used to advertise pharmaceuticals. And it was always accurate. Since the main drug ad, ads are... Guess what? They're on thicker paper. The American Journal, of, uh, the Journal of American Medical Association, has so many ads, and the ads are on thicker paper, so he could pick them out with his eyes closed. More than half the journal would be full pages developed, devoted to selling drugs. Not to mention the ads that didn't take up whole pages. So, more, so, so much for this scientifically supported. Well, it's scientifically supported if it's paid for by the the drug companies, uh, not so well. And recently, uh, to take a slight uh, detour, I uh, saw an article about statin drugs, and it, it, the title was uh, How Good They Are. I went to the end, and there were 60 disclosures uh, that, of conflict of interest, all from drug companies for this author. So I, I didn't even read it or take the time to, 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 to store it away. The mainstream never lets science get in the way of its relentless push to force drugs that don't work on people who don't need them. So all docs see is what the mainstream wants them to see. And if they even dare to have minds of their own, they get hit with the guilt trip. What do they say? The drug companies say, these are proven treatments. Everybody's using them. Are you trying to hurt your patients or what? And in fact, that since there's no big profit in non-drug studies, Doctors obviously don't get the, the research studies which cost a fortune, okay? The studies don't get done. They don't get published because there's no money to be made. In an endless loop with every incentive to push drugs and no incentive to even mention safer or cheap, cheaper options, that's the system we're in now. That's the system leading up 
to the moment you walk into the exam room with your doctor uh, or his PA innocently asks you about your non-drug options. And if you ask him about non-drug options or the PA, he'll look at you like one of those looks, are you nuts? Oh, you're one of those people. Well, you know, we've all heard of stories of parents who are concerned about immunizations who get get kicked out of a pediatrician's entire practice? Is Is that bringing on the guilt for that parent or what? And older patients are much, they're, they're easier. They trust their doctor. So it doesn't take much convincing to get them to play ball, roll up their sleeve for a new shingle shot or swallow that new pill or sign up for that surgery. And that, my friends, is precisely why we should all be a little less trusting. Remember that your doctor might have had his passport stamped by the guilt patrol and might be trying to drag you on a guilt trip with him. Ask questions, do some homework, find out what new treatments really offer and what other options you have before agreeing to anything. So that's my take on the on the drug companies, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's take a quick uh, little break here uh, and hear what Dr. Ron Jr. is doing with his cryo. Uh, here's an ad he's running presently in Naples, Florida. And then the, uh, that reminds me, I, I do want to uh, say a few things about this terrible uh, algae problem we're having here and, and uh, what, maybe what we should be doing about it. it. It is absolutely, to see dolphins on the beach is actually criminal, can make you cry. All right, Dr. Ron will be back, and uh, I will be back in uh, one minute. This is Dr. Ron Repesey of Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa, your place to chill at 239-658-COOL. If you've not heard of whole body cryotherapy and suffer with back pain, joint pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, or you're an athlete that wants quick recovery from sports injuries, then come chill with us at Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Sauna. Cryospa treatments take only three minutes and are supervised by physicians. Sessions are one-on-one in a private environment. Each treatment can also burn five to 800 calories. As seen on Dr. Oz, Cool Cryospa is truly amazing technology. Let's hear what Dr. Kurt Biggs, a well-respected orthopedic surgeon in Naples, has to say about Cool Cryotherapy. Hi, I'm Dr. Biggs of the Joint Replacement Institute. Since I started applying the Cool Cryosauna, my patients are healing much quicker and athletes are seeing quick recovery. I recommend this procedure for my surgical patients and athletes. Call Dr. Repesey now to schedule your Cool Cryo trial session, 239-658-COOL, 239-658-2665, located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road in the Noodles Italian Bistro Plaza. Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa. Come chill with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's the cryotherapy. And uh, if you've listened to any of the research on uh, longevity, you'll know that uh, cryotherapy is being studied uh, for longevity and uh, for reactivating the mitochondria and certain genes associated with longevity. And he also has a second uh, office in, in Fort Myers and uh, He's in Apothecary 360 Pharmacy, and we'll have Joe and Deanna from that uh, location uh, with us probably next week. Uh, They are pharmacists and run a a compounding pharmacy, and there are so many reasons to use a compounding local pharmacist. Uh, uh, None none of the leases that just recently, today in fact, an article came out about levothyroxine, levothroid, you might know it as a drug for uh, 
uh, hypothyroidism. It's showing that it really isn't working that well. And, uh, you know, Joe and his wife would know that. Uh, they they can compound any uh, pharmaceutical that you need. Uh, just great people. And, and a very important function that they have is you can take all your medication there. They will go through it with you, see which ones react uh, with each other, or maybe some questions you might ask your physician, do I really need those darn pills? Uh, you know, you, people are swallowing pills by the fist fill. You know, I, saw, I see people taking pills for breakfast, lunch, dinner, before bed, pills, pills, pills. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of people don't even know that women metabolize medication more slowly than men. How about that? How many times you've, have you been told that? And that, that, that those extra drugs, uh, they add up to a much higher risk of deep, debilitating side effects, especially if you talk about sleeping pills, which you shouldn't take in the first place. But it's not a male or female problem. I'm seeing that this is a senior problem, and uh, Joe and Deanna can help you with that. By the way, one study last year found that 10% of all drug mistakes are the result of drug name confusion, you know? So including some folks who have been given the sex medication Viagra instead of the allergy drug Allegra. How about that for a surprising side effect? Okay, well, I could tell you that um, you don't want to have any Viagra made in Russia uh, because we don't want them fooling with our erections, do we? All right, that one was for Jerry. So, let, you know, today um, Dr. Uh, Mercola came out with an article, and I'm just going to summarize here because it, it, it affects me, affects everybody on the west coast of Florida. So he says that Florida is well known for its aquatic wildlife, natural resources that now being rapidly decimated by the influence of factory farms and chemical agriculture. This red tide, ladies and gentlemen, is covering it at an estimated 100 miles of the Florida coastline and stretching miles offshore. And you know what? It has persisted now for 10 months and shows no signs of abating. People that have allergies, uh, even 10, 20 miles to the east of the uh, Gulf Coast are, are having uh, sneezing and allergy symptoms. Thousands of animals, including manatees, and I saw dolphins, turtles, eels, crabs, and other marine animals have washed ashore dead killed by the toxic red tide organism, which now covers, well, they said, he says the East Coast. I haven't read that, but it's definitely on the West Coast, ladies and gentlemen. And turtles are one of the hardest hit species, including Kemp's Ridley sea turtles, which are on the critically endangered list. So aside from synthetic fertilizers, manure, and here we go again, glyphosate, biosolids, which are sewage sludge, which are often used as natural fertilizer, they play a significant role in the creation of these algae blooms. Ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty bad here. Uh, Our son went uh, on his water uh, ski this weekend and said that there was just nobody on the beaches. Um, So this has been one of the largest and longest red ties in decades. In 2016, the Florida algae bloom in Lake Okeechobee drew attention because it lasted uh, from May through the midsummer, covering 33 square miles. A state of emergency was declared then, and three of the hardest-hit counties on the Atlantic coast 
as well as one county on the Gulf Coast were affected. But that's nothing compared to what we're facing now. The red tide now covers an estimated 100 miles of coastline, ladies and gentlemen, and has persisted for 10 months. So if you go to, to uh, Dr. Mercola's website, uh, you can see how he traces this back to the agricultural sludge and how things have to be uh, taken care of. Uh, we have to really be careful of our environment. Uh, and maybe, you know, we should make sure that our, our congressmen know that, that we're, we're, we're fed up with this. So Dr. Joseph Mercola uh, talking about the uh, red tie here on the West Coast. And I just found that article. Let me just tell you about this. Uh, levothroxin fails to normalize thyroid hormones. It just came out today. It's in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. And the takeaway from this that I got is a systemic review and meta-analysis suggested that this drug, levothyroxine, which is called levothroid as a trade name, fails to normalize several systemic biological markers of thyroid hormones signaling in patients with over-primary hypothyroidism. So remember, hypothyroidism is an underactive thyroid, and this drug is uh, not doing its job. So... You will hear on this program that we always recommend a natural thyroid product, one that you can buy uh, that's already pre-made up or one that uh, a compounding pharmacist uh, can make up for you. And uh, if, doctor, if uh, Dr. Dan calls in later, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll have him uh, talk a little bit, bit about that. All right. So where are we? Let's just talk a little bit about glyphosate, and since that came up in the a California Supreme Court. Guess what? They delivered a blow this week to Monsanto by refusing to hear a challenge that would remove glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup from California's Proposition 65 of cancer-causing chemicals. Guess what? The prior week, a jury in California ordered Monsanto to pay $289 million in damages to a school groundkeeper who developed a lymphoma after using Roundup. So we've been talking about this. The public is really rising up uh, to Monsanto, which has been notorious for being ruthless when it comes to protecting its bottom line. Cancer victims and their families have reportedly filed thousands of lawsuits against Monsanto claiming the company knew about glyphosate's cancer risk and failed to warn them. This toxic herbicide is so widely used, it is being found in our, our food. And you hear me talk about the Environmental Working Group. Well, they conducted a series of lab tests on oat-based foods and found the presence of glyphosate, glyphosate in 43 out of 45 conventional samples tested. So you want to have your oatmeal in the morning? Well, you're not going to grow any weeds in your stomach, that's for sure, because there's glyphosate in there. Um, gosh, you know, I get all messed up with this stuff. It's crazy. All right. Well, let me just stay with that, because uh, there was a uh, an article written. It says, breakfast with a dose of Roundup. Popular oat cereals. Oatmeal, granola, and snack bars come with a hefty dose of weed-killing poison in Roundup. Popular oat cereals, oatmeal, granola, and snack bars. How do you like that? 
Isn't that incredible? And if I go down here, you know, you see the old man, the Quaker Oats box and, uh, Three tests that they did on the Quaker Oats, old-fashioned oats, they averaged 930 parts per billion, way over the 90s. That's that so-called allowed. Cheerios, 700 parts per billion. Isn't that crazy? Simply granola, 415 parts of glyphosate per million. Anyway, you can go to the um, EWG, uh, environmentalworkinggroup.org website, and you can see some some of this. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that I've been reading about since I came back. And here's what I have to say uh, about children. And, and and it was brought home to me today when I visited my friends uh, at the Apothecary 360 Pharmacy. Uh, they say with all the opioid uh, problems, they're even uh, nobody's paying attention to these uh, drugs uh, that are used for ADHD. And, and I just, I'll, I'll, I'll go through what I want to tell you about it, but look, look at the adverse effects of, of these type of drugs. Anorexia, insomnia, xerostomia, which means dry mouth, and that then uh, makes you susceptible to uh, cavities and so forth. Headaches, upper abdominal pain, irritability, Problem with growth and development, nausea, diarrhea, seizures, rashes, hyperhidrosis, oversweating, increased blood pressure, increased heart rate, dizziness, emotional liability, tremor, tics, and vomiting. And they came under the heading of adverse effects from 1% to 10%. Now, the serious effects that are not defined were chest pain, sudden death, myocardial infarction, palpitations, ventricular hypertrophy, CVAs, which is a stroke, uh, Steven Johnson syndrome, which are big uh, pus things break, break out all over your body. And after the drug has been on the market, you know, they do all these tests. The FDA approves it, which is routine for Dr. Gottlieb. He approves everything. He does, does there's, he hasn't met a drug he didn't like. And ophthalmic disorders include blurred vision, uh, cardiovascular palpitations, fatigue, uh, eosinophilic hepatitis, and it goes on and on and on. And then I realized there's a black box warning with these drugs, and I'll read it to you. That, they're all related to amphetamines, no matter which one you, you take. And it, it, the black box warning says, dextroamphetamine has a high potential for abuse. Particular attention should be paid to the possibility of patients obtaining dextroamphetamine for non-therapeutic use or distribution to others. And the drug should be prescribed or dispensed sparingly. Administration of dextroamphetamine for prolonged periods of time may lead to drug dependence. And that's what we're giving to our kids. Okay. Uh, now, bedtime. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about this. So even if your kids or grandkids are too old for bedtime routines, you know, like memories to read them stories or whatever, uh, sing songs, check under the bed for monsters, Gosh, I remember that. Well, thanks sure I've changed, ladies and gentlemen. Now bedtime may mean taking a dose of methylphenidate with your warm milk. That's an ADHD drug, ladies and gentlemen. If that nighttime ritual sounds unfamiliar to you, it's an ADHD pill just okayed by the FDA that's known by brand name Journey PM, J-O-R-N-A-Y, and unbelievably approved for kids as young as six years old to start popping as they snuggle in for the night. 
what is the FDA thinking? The last thing we need is another highly addictive drug to hit the market, especially for TOTS. Like other ADHD drugs, Journey PM is listed as a Schedule II controlled substance. Why? Because it has a high potential for abuse and dependence. So it's quite obvious that our kids are in just as much danger from the corner pharmacy as the corner drug pusher, but it's not the pharmacy's fault. It's the pharmaceutical and the physicians. (laughs) So before a child you love or somehow manages to end up on this drug or any other ADHD drug, here's some important facts I think you should know. Because it's especially necessary to know about <coughs> Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, that there's other kinds of treatment uh, that without the dangers of high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke, or sudden death. So Journey PM comes with a, with a list of adverse reactions as long as your arm. And if parents were to read the label, I don't think they would let their, their young six-year-old take this. So that's another thing for, for you to do. Please be informed and read the label. And just a tidbit of its side effects include anxiety, psychotic, manic symptoms, long-term suppression of growth, increased blood pressure, heart rate, and sudden death. And seriously, considering that a kid can be officially diagnosed with this thing, ADHD, based on such commonplace behavior as fidgeting, squirming, or not paying attention, dispensing a drug with all these kinds of serious side effects really should be against the law for any child. And, you know, there's also the adverse reaction normally reserved for adult guys who take the little blue pill. Believe it or not, these kids can get priapism, a painful prolonged erection, which can occur even before the child goes through puberty. And the FDA is fine with that. They're fine with giving it to little boys. It's so bizarre that it's almost impossible to to wrap your head around. It's almost like uh, we were doing a couple weeks ago. Uh, let me just get it here. Remember we were doing the duct tape explosion? It really does make your head blast. I mean, you really duct tape. So, yeah, I, I'm still exploding from that one. A six-year-old with priapism. So, the- So there are a lot of natural uh, practicing physicians who feel uh, that dietary changes are really effective for these hyperactive kids. And they all give stories about how the improvement can be absolutely amazing. They add that many kids who wind up under ADHD umbrella symptoms aren't truly hyperactive. Instead, they are chemically sensitive. The trick is to find out which food additives they're sensitive to. So take artificial colors. If you start reading the labels to find them, you'll see how they turn up in all processed foods, especially those marketed to kids. Which ones? Like fruit bars, cereals, waffles. Guess what? There's artificial coloring in this new journey pill. In fact, Blue dye number one that colors the pill is closely linked to ADHD symptoms. You think they ever looked into that? Instead of adding more chemicals to, the, to your, your child's routine, why aren't we removing these additives? I'm not just talking about artificial colors, but how about sweeteners such as high fructose corn syrup 
and preservatives like BHA and BHT. You know, it's not as though we don't know how. The Feingold diet of the 80s and 90s was created by a pediatrician named Benjamin Feingold. It's the exact opposite of drugging children with these kinds of stimulant medication. It's designed to eliminate as many potential triggers added to food as possible. And in the beginning, it also restricts the consumption of foods that are high in salicylates. And where you find where do you find them? That's a big word. What substances found in certain plants, as well as ingredients in aspirin and pain medication that children may be sensitive to. And uh, Jacqueline Fellows and other physicians describe the, the this approach as totally amazing. Uh, there was a kindergartner that that was sent to the principal's office crying, yelling, and the teachers uh, just having a hard time. Uh, he was having meltdowns. He felt challenged by simple tests. But then Dr. Fellows started him on the fine gold diet. And she said, quote, it is the most powerful tool that I have for him. Anyway, these drugs are, are pretty potent and serious. And sometimes you need something. But my, my caution is uh, to pay attention uh, to the drugs your children are taking, especially this, the, the amphetamines are quite uh, addictive. And ladies and gentlemen, do you know uh, that uh, a lot of the chemicals are it's just incredible. It's, uh, so on this three-week journey I had here, I did fly some airplanes, and it's just amazing how much uh, aroma people with colognes and all and if you're sensitive to it and you're sitting next to somebody, I mean, you just can't get up and walk off the plane, right? Uh, even the, the, the pediatric, the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of Pediatrics, excuse me, is uh, starting to know about this. Okay, so you know, you're, so when you go to shopping, right? You you buy eggs, you buy milk, tomatoes, oranges, whatever. Do you buy BPA? Do you buy PFC? Do you buy F, D, and C, that's a dye, yellow, yellow number five or blue number one. Probably don't have them on your list, do you? But chances are, if you buy processed food, those toxic food additives are in there. Bisphenol A, perfluoroalkyls, tartrazine, and more could be hiding in that box of cereal. That can of veggies, that frozen dinner you put in your cart. And, and that's nothing compared to the thousands of chemicals and colors and preservatives and flavoring agents that the FDA, guess of all people, the best agency money could buy, allows in your food. Some have been around for so long that they were okay back when President Eisenhower was around. It's only now, over 60 years later, that experts are finally starting to get worried, especially where our children are concerned. They're our future. And while it's great to hear respected authorities bringing this into the spotlight, you know what? I guess I'm getting too old and cynical. I don't think much is going to change. There's one way and one way alone to fix the food you eat and make sure that you or your loved ones aren't getting cumulative doses of poison with every bite you take. And what is that? You have to be the CEO, like we tell you, of your own body. You have to take matters into your own hands. 
And it's not that hard. I mean, it's not easy, but it's not that hard. And as I said, the American Academy of Pediatrics just issued a policy statement immediately calling for federal regulators to reform the entire process of how food additives are regulated. Well, it's about time, only about 60 years late. They admit that these additives are harmful to children and cause hyperactivity. They even mention yellow dye number five, and that's tartrazine. Okay. But, you know, you do have to take uh, measures into your own hands. The FDA isn't going to help you much. Uh, in fact, the American County Pediatrics point out the agency doesn't have the authority even to conduct, wait, hear this, safety reviews of additives that are already being used. Well, that's something. They said for that to happen, you would need an act of Congress. In other words, as I said, don't hold your breath. I'm getting too old and paranoid for this. Well, these harmful ingredients have been around for a long time, okay, and uh, they're on the shelves of almost every food. Plus, we all eat more processed food these days, especially our children do. So, uh, all right, I'll just tell you what the, the line is. The American Academy of Pediatrics called out several additives that it considers, considers the worst. So let me give you them. The PFCs, or perfluoroalkyls. Uh, they are used to resist grease and stains of water. They're added to wrappings, packaging, such as microwave popcorn and takeout pizza boxes. Guess what? And you've heard it on this program. You don't, you don't hear this any other place. These chemicals affect the functioning of your thyroid. They weaken your bones and muscle control and even hamper brain development in kids. And you, do you know how many times over the last five years we, we've talked about uh, the unsuspected disease of hypothyroidism? And, you know, not, not enough doctors pay attention to it as far as even in kids where there's high cholesterol involved, where there's heart attacks in families. All right. So we got, I got off the subject a little bit. So that, those packages, got to be careful for them. This bisphenol compounds are most widely known as BPA, they're added to hardened plastic and lined cans and cause multiple organ problems and weight gain. They decrease fertility and lower immune function. That can't be good, right? Artificial colors are found in all kinds of food products. Fake blueberry. Well, I got to admit, I was up in uh, Maine. I had some of the best blueberries. They were not fake. And you could tell that it was so great. So, but you know, fake, fake blueberry bits, the kind you sprinkle on cereal. They're artificially colored. Okay. Uh, some pickles in a jar have been colored. You know what? These artificial colors have been linked to serious problems in children. It's a vast problem uh, to get rid of uh, these additives. And then, then to get rid of partially hydrogenated oil, you know, partially hydrogenated oil is blamed for thousands of fatal heart attacks each year. And it took decades for that to change. We knew about it, the old margarines, and we knew how bad these hydro, partially hydrogenated oil, these trans fats were. It took a long time to change that. So I think uh, just to be on the safe side, you really got to start in the supermarket. Uh, and clean up your kitchen. So instead of canned versions, buy fresh or frozen. 
vegetables without added ingredients such as flavor enhancers, oils, and colorings when possible. When you do processed foods, always read the ingredient label. I mean, this is really important for your health and that of your family. As a shortcut, um, put back any items with a list that takes up half the packaging. Believe me, you don't need 40 ingredients to make a snack bar. Avoid products that contain artificial colors, which turn up in the oddest places, such as frozen dinners, pizza, children's vitamins of all things, and cereals. Be suspicious of any colors that obviously aren't found in nature, such as iridescent red cherry. Or a drink that is neon, yellow, hello, and especially steer clear of the trio of bad actors, MSG, aspartame. They are both brain toxins. And high fructose corn syrup, or HFCS, the laboratory sweetener used instead of sugar, that can be a disaster to your liver and other organs. And please never use plastic containers to microwave food or beverages. As they, they, these, they, these chemicals can leach out. You should also be sure to use glass for food stores. Stainless steel instead of plastic bottles for beverages. And I, I think by taking these simple precautions, you'll be eliminating some of the worst toxins found in food from your family's diet. And it's really urgent. It's really important to do so. Since waiting for the government to do something could take decades, as it did for the trans fats, if it happens at all. Uh, so, again, it, it all comes back to uh, being the CEO of your own body, getting information, and, and using it. Um, I want to just call on somebody here for a second. Uh, Dan, are, did, have you listened to any of the program today? Yes, I, yes, I have, Ryan. I'm all here. Right, uh, all right. Uh, so you, you would agree with the uh, uh, pharmaceutical compounding of thyroid, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. Um, we we get ours compounded, absolutely. Okay. And, and then, then with the with this yeah. recent you know, levothyroid, the synthetic one, not even doing anything after a meta analysis. I mean, this was a a large study. Ninety nine right. studies. 99 that they looked at. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. And it's not doing the job. Ours is actually uh, made with olive oil. And it's uh, good for about six months, and we have to refrigerate it. Wow. Well, that's because it's it's made of of, more natural substances. It's compounded. It doesn't have all the dyes and what have you that we've been talking about. It's got the real stuff in it. Yeah. So that you're you're not being given something that's supposedly helping you and doing just the opposite or nothing exactly. at all. Exactly. You know, Doctor Dan, I, I'm glad to see that you you could get on the phone. I just saw something else. Here, here's a headline: August 21st, 2018, FDA extends some EpiPen expiration dates to fight shortages. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that? I mean, it's serious, but it's funny. It, you know, it's ridiculous. You, get rid of the drug with the expiration date. Now, all of a sudden, now let's let it go longer because we don't want there to be a shortage. Jeez, I, I, I don't understand how someone can be allowed to uh, 
take a drug that's needed by so many people. I have a granddaughter who's allergic to peanuts. Now, I like peanut butter, healthy peanut butter. So I take a teaspoon of peanut butter one morning, and then I wash my mouth and I clean it real good. And all I did was give her a little hug and a little kiss, and she broke out from the fact that I was near peanut butter. So wow. those epipens are important. Those, those epipens are important. You could die if, if you really need one and you don't have one around. And where do, some, where do the drug companies get the right to increase the price to what? Why? What's the reason? Well, it's, it's, it's greed, Dr. Dan. It's pure greed. It's money. Yep. It's it, it's that green stuff, you know, that's made out of paper. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, what they're God. thinking about. Because you're not getting real silver these days or or gold. So oh, it's it, it it it's it's very important that this this EpiPen be made a reasonable price for people who really need them. You know? Well, there's a generic, there's a generic noun that should help. But I thought it was just, just ironic that you know, uh, a way to solve the problem is extend the expiration date, which probably was, should have been extended from the beginning. But we'll solve, we'll solve the problem of a shortage, ladies and gentlemen. We'll just let you, let we'll just change the expiration date on it. That's like when you go into the supermarket and it says that the meat expires uh, August 22nd, and somebody comes in tonight and moves the date up to August 30th. I mean, it's just crazy. Either it does or they it really doesn't. They really do that. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just an example. I don't, it probably yeah, is yeah. done. I don't know. But, I mean, it's the same type of thing. How would, I, how would you like to eat some, some meat that's, that, uh, you know, been sitting around for three weeks? So, well, when I see that on there, I, I don't touch it. And uh, um, what, what I don't understand is when it says Best Buy a certain date. Yeah. Best buy. Does that mean it's no good or it just tastes better? <laughs> tastes better. <laughs> you figure you it think out. Of, think about it. Best buy. Well, what happened if I eat it a day later or a week or a month later? Uh-huh. It doesn't taste as good, but it's still good. I, I don't understand that. Uh, look, you know, I just saw, saw something in my notes I wanted to talk about today, Dr. Dan. I was up in uh, with a dear friend in uh, Maine. And we did eat some blueberries, especially blueberry muffins. And here's an article today: the positive effects of blueberries on mood and and children. And I'm sorry, the positive effect of blueberries on mood in children and young adults. So the, you know, I'm not going to read it today, but they say, what if the treatment of depression food pres- and uh, was a food prescription that replaced antidepressant drugs? You know, because the flavonoids in the in these uh, blueberries are just incredible. I mean, it is. Oh, they're good. they're really good for you. Yeah. So, put them on, especially when you put them on ice cream. Well, uh, healthy frozen <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> that sounds better, doesn't it? Absolutely. Put it on the yogurt; Absolutely. it makes it taste good. Well, you know, Doctor Dan. Uh, uh, I have so many things on my table that I've I've been saving uh, poison-free food. Normal pressure hydrocephalus. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. we have to do a, a program on dementia because, you know what, there was an article out this morning about proton pump inhibitors and liver cancer 
And uh, it's just astounding that people are taking this, they're still taking this purple pill. And Dr. Douglas used to call it the purple crack because once you get on it, it's hard to, it's just hard to get off. And that, and it's over the counter now, which is even more crazy. But let me just say that uh, several universities, along with Baylor College of Medicine in Texas, found just reported today a consistent association between taking acid suppressing PPI, which are proton pump inhibitor drugs, and developing liver cancer. Wow. And and this finding comes at the same time. I don't know if you saw that report from the CDC. They said the overall death rate from cancer is going down, except for liver cancer, which is going up. And it's been going up for the last 16 years by over 40%. I've heard a tremendous amount of liver cancer lately. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is something, yeah, something that's been around and they knew about it when it was approved. Uh, and we'll talk about stomach acid. I mean, as you get older, you have less stomach acid anyway. Uh, and we'll, you know, when we talk with Dr. Wong, we'll talk about pancreatic enzymes, uh, uh, if you need something to supplement digestion. But, you know, stopping a PPI, if you're on it, ladies and gentlemen, please do so under guidance because you can get a rebound acid hypersecretion uh, if that's done too quickly and really make you sick. But there's no doubt now that among all the other things, decreased magnesium uptake, decreased B12 uptake, now liver cancer and a high incidence of C. diff, Clostridium difficile, because there's no acid there to fight this drug, especially if you're in the hospital and you get this crazy infection. And that that's what made me think about this is that, you know, if you don't absorb enough B12 over time, you're going to get dementia. And how many people in uh, Alzheimer wards might be cured by, you know, maybe replacing their uh, B12 levels? You know, we, we I guess we won't know till we start uh, testing them. And I always think of Chris Christopherson diagnosed mm-hmm. with dementia and Alzheimer's and he had Lyme disease. So, and know, now he's, he's back on the road at the age of 80 doing concerts because they that? actually his Lyme disease. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It really is. It really I, is. I wonder how many diagnoses of, of uh, autoimmune diseases and some of these diseases that we don't quite understand are really Lyme disease and nobody ever tested them for it. Well, that, that's, that's one thing. It is, you know, that, that's a good point actually. Uh, and the other thing that I, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, autoimmune disease because, uh, <laughs> Dr. Brownstein is a, is a family practitioner that I follow. He, he came out with a blog today and he says it's been four years since the whistleblower came forward and nothing has happened. And we talked about this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, about Dr. William Thompson. He was a senior CDC scientist when he blew the whistle claiming that uh, the CDC committed fraud by hiding and manipulating data that showed that the MMR vaccine was associated with a higher risk of autism. In other words, they had Mm. the data showing that all right, that it was a, and they hit it. So the, the question is, what what's happened in these last four years? They, the data was altered. It was reported in 2004 that there was no association between autism and MMR. 
Who wrote the article? The same person that's the whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson. Okay. He mm-hmm. said that he has been suffering regret and remorse over the damage that has been done to our children since he did that. But we're, we're, has anything changed? I, no. I haven't seen anything. I no. have not seen anything. So where are you, Dr. Thompson? Where's Trey Gowdy? Where's, uh, where, where's everybody looking into this MMR and autism? When, they, when the lead researcher states that he altered the the study at the at the request of the CDC Mm-mm. isn't that isn't that crazy? I mean, that's not crazy. It's sad and it's it's it's, it's uh, criminal actually. But nothing so, is done about it. Nothing yeah, is done right. about it. As I said, who shouldn't be prosecuted are being prosecuted, and those that should be prosecuted are not prosecuted. That's the yeah. problem that's happening today. Yeah. As we are the number one. Uh, we we have more more criminals in prison than any country in the in the world. Do we Isn't really? That amazing. Yep. Wow. We have broken. We are number one. Number that? one now. Why? Wow. Well. It it looks like certain things that could be handled outside of the prison system could be handled properly and cut down on the number of people that are put away. But it's not done that way. But we're hmm. we're number one. That's scary, wow. isn't it? It, didn't it used that. to be Russia years ago. Uh-huh. But not today. Wow. Yeah. Huh. We gotta look that one up. But uh, I I think it's two or three million people. I don't remember the exact number. And also, also, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the uh, radio, and they come right on. And what? It's August. Come to our. I, I won't mention the pharmacy. Come to our pharmacy and get ten dollars, and we'll give you a flu shot, yeah. and we'll give you a ten dollar gift card to buy whatever you want in the store. Isn't that yeah, amazing? Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up because I want to recommend a book to our, our listeners. It's a book by Thomas Cowan, C-O-W-A-N. His book is called Vaccines, Autoimmunity, and the Changing Nature of Childhood Illnesses. Okay, and it's an outgrowth of answering the question, how do we recover from an illness? And I'll just go, my understanding uh, of it is this. I just ordered the book. Uh, You know, you you come into contact with a bug. The bug causes your body to uh, start. You you start to sweating. You get hot. Remember heat, uh, calor, rubor, and you get uh, you go to bed. Okay. Then after that passes, that and then what happens during that time is your white blood cells go in. They start cleaning up this infection, uh, and then they do a good job, and 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 you you recover. Okay. But then what happens is your cellular immune system, that would they call that your humoral immune system, that kicks in and starts generating the antibodies, right? But after that's mm-hmm. all done, your cellular immune system kicks in. And uh, I, I, th- I got it backwards, I think. Let me, ju- let me just think a second, ladies and gentlemen. It, it got it backwards. Don't worry about it. It happens to everybody. 
<laughs> well, it's a complicated thing that I that uh, uh, that I had to try and understand. Uh, right. right. So you get sick, you get the fever. Okay, that means the bug gets into the cell, distorts all the stuff inside the cell, and you get sick and you have mucus and snot or what have you. Okay, and five to ten days you get better. Right. That's if you have a normal cold or a flu. You didn't get right. the flu shot. So the experience of being sick is cell-mediated immunity. Cell so that that starts in the cells, mm. okay? And that that's so the virus gets cleared and it clears any dead cell and re- rejuvenates everything that's in the cell. Then once you recover, then the humoral immune system kicks in. So we have the cellular immune system first, then the humoral immune system kicks in, and that starts generating antibodies against the virus that uh, made you sick in the first place. And guess what? For your entire life, you're immune to that bug. It's a almost 100% foolproof system. Right. When you get a vaccine, you jump, you jump right to the humoral side. You forget, you don't have the, the cellular side. You jump right to the humoral side. And it, it, in order to that, for your body to produce antibodies, they got to put in aluminum, glyphosate, formaldehyde, and a whole list of stuff. And it makes it look like you have immunity, but guess what? It doesn't work because you need cellular immunity first. Then you, then the humoral immunity kicks in, and that's when you get your long-term resistance to disease. So uh, there's a whole problem. Dr. Jerry talks about it, uh, about adjuvants and vaccines, and you know, we've talked about it on the show. And But anyway, this is all covered in Dr. Cowan's book, and uh, every so often I need to, to review this, this type of uh, uh, material myself, okay, and and, you know, we could talk about coolies and coolies toxins, which were used to treat cancer at Sloan Memorial uh, Hospital in New York. Yeah. Do you remember that, Dr. Dan? He used to give pa- uh, patients with sarcoma and, and cancer a fever using, uh, uh, I think he uses something that uh, he, he derived from erysipelas, which is a strep, strep infection. And these people all got better. They all got better. Wow. So well, anyway, well, Dr. Well, sometimes Cowan, that's tomeopathy, where you use low doses of the toxic substance that can actually cure you a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Now nobody wants to use homeopathy, but it is coming back. Well, the compounding are, pharmacists and the homeopaths are under siege uh, by the government right. because people are are turning to them, and it's cutting into profits. It so doesn't they cost are, money. They, they are putting. They are under siege. Like there well, are Dr. certain, yeah, you know, certain natural products that they can't make money on, so therefore they won't allow it to be covered by insurance. Yeah, that's the other side of the coin. Once they once the insurance starts paying for it, uh, patients will. will uh, patients, uh, I I find here in Southwest Florida that most people will spend thousands of dollars on their dog or cat, but refuse to go spend fifty dollars for a prescription. Or for yeah, yeah. something not natural, you know, anything for the dog is not covered by insurance. But if it's not covered by insurance for their own health, they 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 forget about it. Oh, I remember the I remember the good old days when I used to send my vet 
uh, cases, and he would send me cases, and it, and it didn't cost either of us anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were the good exactly. old days. You remember those days, Ron? I sure do, Dr. Dan. Yeah, they were the good old days. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope I didn't bore you too much. I hope I didn't ramble too much today, but uh, this is the first day back after a well-needed uh, uh, break from the routine. Uh, next week, uh, we'll have Dr. Dan, Dr. Jerry, and myself. Uh, let's talk about statins because uh, we're just going to put this matter to rest. There's there's absolutely hardly any reason for anybody to take them. Uh, we'll talk about carnitine, coenzyme Q10, magnesium, vitamin E, like we did today. Uh, and we're trying and give you some uh, good science uh, about the uh, statin selection. And there's a new article out that started me on this. It, uh, it, it was called uh, a statin selection in the elderly. How old is too old? Well, <laughs> how old I can answer old? that in three seconds. How old is too old to take statins? My answer would be the moment you're born. But we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, next week. I got you the uh, moment you're conceived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you beat me. <laughs> that's that's really that's really going back, isn't it? It is. So ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Cowan's book, uh Vaccines, Autoimmunity and the Changing Nature of Childhood Illnesses, and it covers other vaccines including chicken pox, uh uh which is called varicella and the herpes zoster vaccine. And it delves somewhat into the corruption for the CDC, uh, which we've talked about on this program and some other health product, uh, health topics. Uh, I do recommend it. Uh, uh, and you know what? If fever is really important to getting well, it looks like what we've talked about on this program about infrared sauna is probably also true. Get your core body temperature up. Uh, and if you don't, uh, you know, if you're not leading a perfect life, uh, you uh, may need to take saunas on a regular basis. And Hippocrates, I once said, give me a medicine to produce a fever and I can cure any disease. So with mm-hmm. that, I'm going to uh, put that in your mind. Uh, think about it. Next week, we'll talk about statins. I want to thank everybody who's tuned in today with an attitude of gratitude because, as I say, gratitude can make you happy, healthy, horny, and high. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) you got me laughing when you say it. Okay. We'll have a little blues from Philly to close the show down. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. And again, I hope I didn't ramble too much, but I uh, put this program together uh, with a shorter notice than normal. Okay. Dr. Dan, see you on the radio. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dr. Ron. Have a good one. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Dr. Ron on Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. This was our episode 271. Thank you for your uh, attention. I uh, hope we brought you some news you can use today. And we'll see you next week.